Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Suicide bombings, terrorist threats, threats of nuclear warfare remind us that any peace that is brokered right now in the Middle East is only a temporary peace. There will be no lasting peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, returns. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. The Bible describes a seven-year period of intense chaos known as the Tribulation, during which the Antichrist will have free reign to unleash his evil power. And today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares why he believes the groundwork for the Tribulation is already in process. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Few things make us feel more depressed or fearful than reading the latest headlines or turning on the evening news. Around the world and within our own country, terror and tragedy abound. And most days, it can seem as though our situation is completely hopeless. Well, we can't rescue the world from the destructive path it's on, but for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, there's no need to fear. And I've found that there's no better way to quell fear than to gain a better perspective of God's plan for the future. And that's what this teaching series called Perfect Ending is all about. Now, in addition to these daily programs, I've written a resource that I'm very excited about. Because of the number of questions we receive about Bible prophecy, I've written a best-selling book called Perfect Ending, Why Your Eternal Future Matters Today. This isn't a pamphlet. It's a full-length book containing more than 200 pages of biblical knowledge about the last days and your eternal home. And a copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, this book will come with a visual representation of God's timeline that I've called The End Times Illustrated. I'll say more about both books and other resources later on, but right now it's time to get started with today's study. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to look at what happens on earth after the rapture of the church. It's a seven-year period that we commonly call the Great Tribulation. Turn to Daniel chapter 9 as we discover what happens when all hell breaks loose. Certainly for the last several weeks, the focus of our entire world has been on the battles going on in Washington, D.C. But that is only going to be a temporary focus because soon the attention is going to shift back to that real area of conflict that has been in turmoil for more than 4,000 years. And I'm talking about the Middle East. For 4,000 years, that area has been a cauldron that has been boiling all because of a piece of real estate in Israel that God promised to Abraham and his descendants 4,000 years ago. Suicide bombings, terrorist threats, threats of nuclear warfare, all emanating from that area, remind us that any peace that is brokered right now in the Middle East is only a temporary peace. There will be no lasting peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, returns. 
And that's the focus of our series we've been in, Perfect Ending, Why Your Eternal Future Matters Today. We're examining what God's Word says about the events that will precede and follow history's most important event, the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says before Christ returns, however, to earth, he has some final business to wrap up here on planet earth. And that period of time in which God finishes his dealings with Israel and the world as a whole is a period of time we're going to look at today. It's that period of time we commonly call the Great Tribulation. And it's going to be in that Great Tribulation that the world is immersed in political chaos and natural catastrophes, but most of all, the world will be the recipient of God's condemnation. And today and next week, we're going to look and see what the Bible says about the last seven years of Earth's history that we call the Great Tribulation. Now, the place to begin understanding the tribulation is not in the book of Revelation where the tribulation is realized, but in the book of Daniel where it is prophesied. So I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Now, a year or so ago, we studied the book of Daniel verse by verse. So I'm not going to go into depth here, but I think it's important to review a little bit of material, especially from Daniel chapter 9, to understand this period of the seven-year tribulation. You remember that Daniel was a teenager living in Israel. When Israel was invaded by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar took a group of Jews captive, took them exile into Babylon. And among those teenagers that were taken was this young man named Daniel. And Daniel chapters one through six, the first six chapters are biographical. And that is, they tell about how God used Daniel in this pagan culture to make a difference, to stand for God. But chapters 7 through 12 of Daniel are prophetic. Because you see, Daniel, as well as many Jews living in Babylon, they begin to wonder about God's plan for the future. Had God forgotten his promise to Abraham, they wondered? What about this land that God said would be theirs forever? And what about the promised deliverer named Messiah? Were all those promises null and void now that the Israelites had been taken captive to Babylon? God answered and said no, and through a series of four different visions, God revealed to Daniel the future plans for Israel and for the world. It was God's way of reassuring Daniel that God was going to fulfill his promises. And of those four visions, perhaps the most sweeping one is found in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel had been praying and saying, God, show me what your plan is. Reassure me that you're not finished with Israel. God answered Daniel's prayer with more than he bargained for because God gave Daniel the ability to peer down the corridor of history and see the events that would finish up God's dealing with Israel as well as the rest of the world. To me, this is the most amazing prophecy in all the Bible. If you ever doubt that the Bible is really the word of God, I want you to stay with me for about the next five minutes as we look at this prophecy. Daniel had been praying, Gabriel, the angel, came and brought God's answer to Daniel. Look at verse 22 of Daniel 9. Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, and now I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain the understanding of the vision. Now, here's the vision, verse 24. Seventy weeks 
have been decreed for your people, that is Israel, and for your holy city, that is Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. What was Gabriel saying? He said, Daniel, God has ordained 70 weeks, 70 sevens to finish up his plan with Israel. Now this word that is translated in your Bible, week, is really a weak translation of the Hebrew word. It's not 70 weeks. That word is better translated 70 sevens. What is 70 times seven? 490, 490. Now, 490 what? Is he talking about weeks? Is he talking about days? If you look at the context of Daniel 9, he's talking about years. He was talking about how many years Israel would be in Babylon was 70 years. The context is years. God is saying 490 years has been decreed by God to finish up all of the things he's promised for Israel. Within these 490 years, he says specifically, six things will have happened. And he names those six things beginning in verse 24. Now get your pen and outline out and write very quickly. Here are the six things that are gonna happen. Within those 490 years, first of all, to finish the transgression. That is, within these 490 years, Israel's unbelief and rebellion will be completed. Secondly, to make an end to sin. This is probably a reference to the end of the sacrificial system. Within these 490 years, there'll be an end to all sacrifices. Number three, to make an atonement for iniquity. I believe this is a phrase that refers to the sacrificial death of Messiah, which will provide the ultimate covering for our sin, rendering the sacrificial system unimportant. Now remember, this is all coming to Daniel in the 6th century B.C., 550 years before the time of Christ. God said these things are going to happen. Number four, within these 490 years, God will bring in everlasting righteousness. This is a reference to the kingdom of Christ, which Christ will bring with him when he returns, a kingdom prophesied in Isaiah 11 and other passages. Fifth, during this 490 years, God will seal up vision and prophecy. Once Messiah comes and establishes his kingdom, there'll be no longer a need for any more visions, any more prophecies, any more need for sermons on prophecy. It'll all be over by that time within those 490 years. And number six, during that 490 years, God will anoint the most holy place. Where's the most holy place? Not Dallas, Texas, okay? Some of you think that. But to a Jew, the most holy place is the temple, now remember, when Nebuchadnezzar came in 586 and took Daniel captive, he destroyed the temple. But we also know from history, back in that uh, 70 years or so later, in 516 BC, when Daniel and Israelites returned, the temple was rebuilt under Zerubbabel. And then it was later enlarged by King Herod at the time of Christ's life. But we also know that temple was once again destroyed in 70 AD when the Romans came under Titus. So when he's talking about within 490 years, the temple's gonna be rebuilt, is he talking about the 518 BC temple? Or is he talking about the future temple that is going to be rebuilt during the tribulation? I think he's talking about both of those times. The Bible says the temple's going to be rebuilt again during the time of the tribulation. 
You know, after the destruction in 70 AD of the temple, if you go there to visit, you don't find a Jewish temple. You find a Muslim mosque right there. But the Bible says one day that mosque is going to be destroyed and there's going to be a temple built. In 1998, there was a conference in Jerusalem about the rebuilding of the temple. 2,000 participants attended. Right now, you can go to the treasuries of the Temple Mount and you can see these faithful Jews working on creating the artifacts that will be important as a part of the new temple worship. In 2012, a workshop began actually manufacturing the priestly garments that will be necessary described in Exodus 39 for the temple worship that the Jews fully expect to reinaugurate. All of that is happening right now. Now, here's the point. God said to Daniel in 550 or so BC, within a 490 year period, God's going to finish his promise to Israel. All of these things will be accomplished. Now, let's fast forward 2,500 years later to the time we're living in today. As we look back, what do we see? We see some of these things have happened partially, but none of these promises have been fulfilled completely. And yet, 2,500 years have elapsed. God said it would happen within a 490-year period. Was God not able to keep his promise? The key to understanding this vision is understanding, okay, when does the 490 years begin in which God is going to fulfill this time? And God answers that question beginning in verse 25. I was trying to think, what is the best way to illustrate this for you? I'm no artist, but I sketched out this little stopwatch here. Ask our art department to kind of clean it up for us. But I want you to imagine God has a stopwatch, and at the top of the stopwatch is 490 years, okay? And what God said to Daniel is, once I start this stopwatch, there are 490 years in which God is going to fulfill all six of these plans for Israel. So the question is, when is God going to hit the begin, the start button on the stopwatch? Well, he tells us in verse 25, so that you are to know and discern that from the beginning of the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks of years plus 62 weeks of years or 69 weeks of years. 483 years is what that figures out to be. Now, when does the stopwatch begin? It begins when the decree is issued to go and rebuild Jerusalem. When was that decree issued? We know that Cyrus in 538 BC told the Israelites they could go back to rebuild the temple. But the actual decree to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem actually came on March the 14th, 445 BC. Did you know we know that from secular history? We know Artaxerxes Longimanus, the Persian king, issued the decree to go back and rebuild Jerusalem on March the 14th, 445 BC. God said to Daniel, that's when the 490 years starts taking away. And he said, from that time that the decree is issued until the time of Messiah the Prince will be 483 years. Now, what is the time of Messiah the Prince? This is a very clear reference to the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 that said the Messiah would be presented to Israel riding on the back of a donkey. Do you know that was prophesied 500 years before it happened, 520 B.C.? 
The Bible says in Zechariah 9.9 that the Messiah would be presented riding on the back of a donkey. We know when that happened. It was when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem riding a donkey and the people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. That was the day that was the presentation of Jesus as the Messiah. It's recorded in Matthew 21 verses 1 to 11. And we know again, we can date that to April the 2nd, 32 AD, which is uh, the 10th of Nisan, not the car, Nisan, but Nisan, okay? Now, Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost has done some fascinating calculations. And taking into account the 360 days in the Jewish calendar, and also figuring in some of the irregularities of the Jewish calendar, guess how much time there is between March the 14th, 445 BC and April the 2nd, 32 AD, it is exactly 483 years. Isn't that amazing? That 500 years before the fact, God would prophesy not just to the decade, the year, but the exact date, the time that would elapse between when Israel was told to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and Messiah the Prince would come. Now notice on the clock that we have for you, I've shown that 483 of these 490 years have already passed. But then when Messiah was rejected by the people, it's like God hit the stop button, the pause button on that stopwatch. There is a gap between the first 483 years and the final seven years. Where do you see this gap? I see it in the very next verse. Notice if you will, Daniel 9, 26. Then, after the 62 weeks, plus the seven weeks before that, mentioned in verse 25, that is, after the 69 weeks of years, or 483 years, several things are going to happen after that first 483 years, before the beginning of the final seven years. What's going to happen in this gap? The Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. That's a reference to the crucifixion of Jesus. And not only that, the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The Romans under Titus did that in 70 AD. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. God said to Daniel, after these first 483 years, when Messiah is presented and rejected, there's going to be a gap of time. He mentioned several of the things that are going to happen during that gap. Messiah will be crucified. Jerusalem will be destroyed by the Romans. But there's one thing he doesn't mention that you and I know about that the Apostle Paul understood would happen during this gap. And that is the church age, the time of the church age. Remember, we've talked about this period of the church age. During this lull, this gap, God has turned away from Israel and turned his attention to Gentiles so that we have an opportunity to be saved. But it's only a partial turning away. Romans 11.25 says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. God is giving us the opportunity to be saved. But when the last Gentile has been saved, who will have been saved? then God is going to rapture us, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We're going to be snatched away to meet the Lord in the air, and God hits that time stopwatch for the final seven years of earth's history to complete his program for Israel. 
And that's what we see in verse 27 of Daniel 9. The final 70th week are seven years. Notice on the time clock, again, 483 years have already elapsed. Seven years remain on the stop clock. What are going to happen? Look at Daniel 9, 27. And he, talking about who is he? It's a reference of the prince who is to come, the Antichrist. And he will make a firm covenant with the many, that is Israel, for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of an abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. The final seven-year countdown Daniel is told, begins when this world figure known as the Antichrist initiates a peace covenant with Israel. I'll talk about that more in a moment. That's when the final seven-year countdown begins. But then Gabriel said, halfway through, after the first three and a half years, Antichrist is going to turn his back on Israel. He's going to double-cross them. He's going to break that peace covenant. And through the final three and a half years, there will be a time of unprecedented persecution against Israel and against those who become Christians during the Great Tribulation. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, this is such a horrendous period of time that had the days not been cut short, everyone would have perished. Now, this time, this final seven years on God's stopwatch, goes by several different names in Scripture. Jesus called it, we often call it the Great Tribulation. Uh, it's called the time of Jacob or Israel's distress. It's called Daniel's 70th week. But the most common reference to this period of time in both the Old and the New Testament is the phrase, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, anytime you read it in the Bible, is not a day of hope. It's not a day that we look forward to, the return of Christ. The day of the Lord is always in Scripture a time of judgment upon unbelievers. Did you know that? It is always used that way. The day of the Lord. Not the day of Christ, but the day of the Lord. Jot down some of these references. Joel 1 verse 15. Alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is near and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Or Amos 5, verses 18 and 20. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will this day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? Or Zephaniah 1, verses 14 and 15. Near is the great of the Lord. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress, of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and doom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Do you see that? The day of the Lord is a day not of bright sunlight of the return of Christ. It is a day of God's judgment upon the earth. And we'll learn more about the judgment that's coming on the day of the Lord when we continue this message on tomorrow's edition of Pathway to Victory. As we keep moving forward in the study of the end times, my hope is that you'll begin to see God's plan for the future, not as some fearful unknown, but as a source of comfort and hope for you personally. Not too long ago, I received an encouraging comment from Elizabeth, who listens to our program in South Carolina. She said, Pastor Jeffress, somehow your sermons always seem to address exactly what's happening in my life. 
especially the one on turning my messes into successes. I've had so many things going on in my life that I was too ashamed to ask for God's forgiveness. But now I know that I am forgiven and that God sees me worthy of His love. Well, I'm encouraged to hear your comments, Elizabeth. And to those of you who are faithful supporters of Pathway to Victory, including our Pathway partners, let me just say you're the one who's breathing this message of hope into Elizabeth's life and so many others through the proclamation of God's Word. The ministry of Pathway to Victory simply wouldn't be possible without partners and friends like you. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'd like to say thanks by sending you a copy of my book, Perfect Ending, Why Your Eternal Future Matters Today. This book represents decades of personal study, all condensed into one volume. Plus, you'll also receive another highly requested resource called The End Times Illustrated. I hope to hear from you today. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. You're invited to request a copy of the best-selling book, Perfect Ending, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, you'll receive the companion guide to Perfect Ending called The End Times Illustrated. This 72-page full-color book provides an illustrated look at 11 essential prophetic teachings such as the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming of Christ. It also includes 18 original infographics and charts to further increase your understanding of these important events. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, you'll also receive the complete Perfect Ending teaching series on CD and DVD. Again, call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for the conclusion of this message on the tribulation called When All Hell Breaks Loose. That's Friday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.